This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 5, Episode 30, as the New York Rangers fall to the Montreal Canadiens in a shootout. And uh, on a brighter note, I have to say, uh, Team USA takes care of business and wins gold at the World Juniors. So, uh, although not the result that we wanted as Ranger fans as a country, we certainly got the result that we wanted uh, for Team USA. So that was certainly exciting. Just a very nice finish to cap off a, uh, you know, a pretty eventful, you know, at least for Team USA standpoint, and pretty eventful tournament and uh, a lot to be proud of. So as always, I have to ask Andy, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Um, Nice rainy, well, snowy slash uh, rainy weekend here in New York City, uh, but it's been fun. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. It's been a lot of fun in that there was just between the World Juniors and all the games around the National Hockey League and the PWHL. Um, there's and there honestly, there's been other tournaments. There's the U18s going on around uh, the world. So yeah, it's just been a plethora of hockey uh, recently, which is uh, always a good thing. There's always a game. There's you know, whenever you were, I was bored, I was able to uh, find a game to put on and which is yeah which is as a hockey fan is awesome so yeah doing doing good on on that front yeah so i guess let's talk all right let's talk about the rangers first because that's probably the most depressing and then we'll end (laughs) probably with the world juniors i want to get your take certainly the entire tournament uh new york rangers uh unfortunately lost to the montreal canadians last game if you expected that team to win that game, you're crazy. If you live in the Northeast, you knew the weather was going to be bad. They took a little charter flight up to Montreal. They had to get get that game out of the way in order to come back home to play a you know one of the best teams out west in the Vancouver Canucks. I just think I hate these games. I hate that they're standalone road games. It just Mm, something just doesn't sit with me right. You can tell just on the schedule that those are going to be tough games and against a team that really has nothing to lose other than, you know, play for each other and, and, you know, and, and play for a coach who I think is doing some pretty good things in Marty St. Louis. And you, you mix that in with, you know, a team that, although I do think they'll be on the outside looking in, you know, they're, they're fighting to stay relevant and fighting to, maybe stay above 500 and be fighting for a wild card spot. So uh, were your expectations uh, fulfilled with the New York Rangers performance or were you kind of uh, disappointed that they weren't able to get two points? Um, you know, obviously I think it's tough because I, I mean, there's, I have two brains, right? I have fan brain and then I have rational uh, hockey watcher brain Rational hockey watcher brain Andy is not does not sweat the fact that the Rangers only got a point out of this game. I mean, I think you look at the amount of injuries they have uh, to their lineup, the fact that 
their bottom six is composed mostly of AHL call-ups and uh, overcooked bottom six, you know, seventh defense or excuse me, 13th forwards. Um, The fact that they have some players that are still seem to be fighting nagging injuries. um, And yet they still ended up in a game where they were down three, nothing because they weren't just simply refused to skate. They were still able to turn it on and just enough to still outshoot the Montreal Canadians. What was it? 44 to uh, 30, whatever it ended up being. Um, you know, and we're still able to fight back. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. They posted 49 shots on 88 shot attempts. Uh, and they lost in the shootout, which is essentially a skills competition to a literally a goalie that played probably one of the best games he's going to play this year, the ga- or maybe of his uh, of his career, the game of his life. You know what I mean? And Sam Montembeau. And yet this team that played like absolute dog shit that is first in their division or in their conference, I should say, um, and among the tops and top three in the NHL basically took most of the night off and was still able to get a point out of the game. So that brain Andy says, you know what? All that being considered, that's it's okay. It's fine. These things happen. They got goalied. They had the flight, whatever. The other brain Andy thinks this game was unfucking acceptable. <laughs> this should have been a layup. This is an easy point. It should have been an easy two points. There's no reason they should have even been in the position to make it to the shootout because if they had just started the game on time, this is not a three. You know, this is even at, let's say the Rangers, if the Rangers played 20% better, this is a game they win four to two, not three to three. It just shouldn't have been. It shouldn't. They basically should have won this game going away. The goals they allowed was just sheer laziness, absolute sheer laziness, not wanting to skate, bad turnovers, not competing. And that's it. It wasn't like a mental lapse breakdown that they were trying really hard. And then Montreal did something just it overpowered them to get behind their defensemen. It wasn't like that at all. They just they threw they basically threw a point away. It was great. They were able to get a point. But at the same time, uh, yeah, they they just. I thought they thought they were going to coast through this one. And I, and, 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 you know, again, that other part of my brain says, you know what? It's clear. Adam Fox is still having a hard time skating. He's clearly still a little banged up the range. I'm sure a lot of the Rangers are a little tired. I think they see the all-star, you know, break in their, uh, whatever they see the, you know, all-star break, uh, three quarters of a mile away. And now they're all starting to think about that and the break they're about to have because they probably feel like they need it. You know what I mean? So I guess that part of me understands it, but I just, there is that other part of me is like, you could have just furthered the chokehold you have on home ice advantage because you see, if you're looking, as the Rangers look in their rear view, there's some other teams that are coming on right now. I mean, uh, the Devils, although now they have some injuries, were finding their footing the Hurricanes look like they're hell-bent on winning the division once again and are slowly making up ground. And they're just other teams in the West that are just as equal powerhouses. So, uh, so yeah. So I think I, I think I, my brain is wrestling with those two facts. Yeah, I, again, listen, 
as frustrating as it is to lose to a team like the Montreal Canadiens in a shootout, I, there's just, if you look at this team, th- these are the types of games that uh, they're, they're almost expected. Like, I would have been more confident going in and having to play Boston on the road than I would have the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm not saying that it's acceptable, and I'm not saying the attitude of going in there and not putting forth a 60-minute effort is acceptable, but those games do happen. They happen in certain situations, and, you know, it was a perfect storm. I think if you look at it, you know what this remind this game reminded me of? It was when people were freaking out over Jonathan Quick when it was like a crazy storm. They got to the rink late. I forget who they even played. It was either like the Islanders or something like that, and he got like lit up right away and i'm like this guy's won stanley cups it's the preseason leave him alone like you can't you know you can't stress out about this and this is one of those games where i love seeing you fired up andy because usually it's like the opposite where i'm you know you know mother f in this team and and you're bringing a voice of uh reason (laughs) i i just think you know this is a throwaway and this was really like a throwaway game of rot in rochester like it, that's what it was to me. And, uh, you know, I think, I think games like these though, you do, you know, want to point at, you know, do these happen if the Rangers have a stronger bottom six, do these games happen if, you know, the Rangers have, you know, another puck moving defenseman, uh, does it happen if Fox is a hundred percent completely healthy? probably not but at the same time like those are the realities that we live in right now and i think and i hope that you know drury watches a game like that and says our guys are not going to have it every game we need to shore up the bottom six because i think that's that's the biggest problem clearly and i want to get your your take because the elephant in the room is Wheeler playing top line minutes when he doesn't deserve. And, you know, a player like VC who, you know, last year under a different coach would get promoted every once in a while. Do you think that's coming or do you think, you know, for now they want to keep Wheeler up there only because VC will eventually be playing bottom six minutes. And there's no point in bringing a player like that up, up the lineup when uh, it's, it's almost like false hope. You know, you don't want to make him think that, you know, here's your promotion. Now we're going to replace you as soon as the trade line comes, the trade deadline comes. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, like I said, this team does have a lot of injuries. I There's plenty of between the Rangers beat writers and Larry Brooks and all these, everyone basically writing think pieces about how the Rangers need to understand their bottom six problem or their lack of depth. I don't, and especially considering, I think one of Chris Drury's few since taking over the reins as the general manager of the New York Rangers, I think one of his strengths has been assessing the Rangers weaknesses in the regular season and then addressing them at the trade deadline. He's done a pretty good job two seasons in a row with that. I think arguably you could maybe argue that last season was a little bit less successful, but for maybe for Kane, which was more of a he didn't go for Kane until Kane basically just made it to an offer too good to refuse. I mean, Tarasenko and Mikolo both contributed at least in a positive way, uh, despite losing in the first round. And then obviously the 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 ads he made the year before between um 
you know, Andrew Kopp and Frank Vitrano and, um, uh, uh, excuse me, um, uh, the, uh, Philly defenseman who I think retired is, or uh, what's his face from, you know, what I'm talking about, yes. but, uh-huh. but whatever, just basically those depth, key depth pieces has been his strong suit. So obviously we've already seen footage of, of Heedle weight training and getting ready to come back to New York soon, which is a great sign. So, I mean, that's a good sign that he is going to come back to play hockey. Cause you're not, you know, you're not doing strength training if you're thinking about uh, coming, you know, and, and posting things like be back soon. If that's, you know, if you're really considering, am I going to hang it up? You know what I mean? And we know Kako's skating now with a red non-contact Jersey. So you have to hope that a lot of the Rangers depth problems will be figured out by that. But I think the good thing about this is that, and if there can be any good to these injuries that the Rangers have had is that it gives Chris Drury a chance to really assess who might be out of their depth. And obviously we know Barkley Goodrow's out of his depth, but nothing's happening there. It is what it is. And yes, you know, maybe he can turn it on for the playoffs as, as is his forte. But, you know, at the same time, understanding that, you know what, Wheeler and as a top line player, I might have to save Peter from himself on this one and get them someone they have to slot up there. Or at the same time, thinking, you know what, uh, Nick Bonino, yes, he's a good penalty killer, but other than that, it's just a not, there's just not bringing enough to the table. I'm sure I could find someone who can not only kill penalties, but effectively, but also bring something to the bottom six. So you, I'm hope you know, lemons into lemonade. I'm hoping that's the case as, as far as this evaluation period of maybe players playing a little bit above their station, as far as his evaluation for what he's really wants to do with limited cap space at the trade deadline, especially if Kako and Heedle will both be back. Yeah, I dude, the Heedle thing, man, it, it it's crazy to me because I uh, there's a part of me like as a human that doesn't really want him to come back this year. Same, you know, you you dude. worry about his his health and you you hope. You know, he it's he's the master of his own destiny. Only he can decide what his his future is. But you obviously you just want to make sure this is a kid who has his entire life in front of him. You just want to make sure that life is happy and comfortable. So you have to hope if he's that's the decision he's going to make that it's not going to come back, you know, and uh, uh, just it's not the wrong decision, you know? Yeah. I mean, the part that really rubs me the wrong way is that I know, well, I, I don't know, but just the way sports are, it's like I know the people that are within the NHL and the New York Rangers probably don't have his best interest, long term best interest at the forefront. That like makes me nervous. Like, you know, should he play and can he play are two totally different questions. Uh, the only, you know, thing that I really look at is like a a player like Sidney Crosby that had, you know, a ton of concussion issues and he seems to be okay. Like you don't hear anything about it. His play is certainly, um, you know, on par with, you know, what he was, uh, you know, obviously he's an older player now, but it's, he certainly hasn't slowed down much. So yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It's, it's as much as we need him and want him to come back, it's only, I'm not really like pulling for him in a weird way. I'm pulling for him to get healthy, obviously, but I'm not really like my heart with is not, you know, wanting him to really come back. It, there's a part of me that's like, dude, just take the season at least like yeah. there's no reason to rush this. Kako, on the other hand, 
we desperately need him because that Absolutely. will at least knock down Wheeler into a more reasonable position in the lineup. Um, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I hope that's that would be the plan, but I don't know. I think I, well, I let you me know. ask you this question. Yeah. All right. So say Kako comes back and he takes we that's is that even a good spot for Kako? I think so. I, I mean, I I'll say this coming back from an injury. I don't know if I necessarily want him thrown right into the fire because that'll just be a chance for Lavulette to be like, well, see, he's not doing good. You have to get him yeah. up to speed first. But at the same time, I mean, listen, you and I have spoken about this before. We know who should. I think Jimmy Vesey has earned a look on that top line right now. You know, defensively, although I do go back and forth on this, mind you, because uh, I will say if Jimmy VC, yes, that might make the top line that much better, but it will make the bottom six. That already sucks so much worse. I mean, Cooley uh, is basically doing most of the heavy lifting on the bottom, on, you know, on his lines as of late. Uh, I don't, I, I suspect that Brennan Othman although this will be valuable experience for him. I don't know if he's going to be much of a contributor. You know, he, maybe he gets his first NHL goal in his time here off of a, using his good shot. But at the same time, just in terms of general flow of play, I just don't know if he's there yet, which is fine. Right. You know, he's here to due to injuries and to just be say, you know what? He's earned a taste to, to really assess like, what are my weaknesses? What is difficult for me at this level? Am I touching? Am I getting enough puck touches? Obviously the first game was great. He was pretty much granted. He didn't play too much, but he was pretty much invisible against Montreal. I didn't notice him once. You know what I mean? I don't think he had the puck much granted. His line mates are absolute dog shit, so that doesn't help him. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I it's one of those things where it's just the bottom six is so bereft of, of players that can make something happen as it is. And moving VC from there, who is one of the best defensive forwards on the team and probably one of the big reasons why the Rangers bottom six can do anything effectively, you know, on a ton from a case by case basis is, is his uh, presence there. So yes, it would be great to have him and maybe have a very good first line and he can do the work that Kreider and Zvajad seemingly do, don't want to do. But at the same time, it that's, it's just, it would leave the bottom six bereft of any uh, positive traits. You know what I mean? So that's my big fear there. But obviously if Kako comes back, and you want to keep him on the third line that can him and Cooley on the third line, I think it'd be a formidable pairing. And uh, that at least makes the outlook better. And then you can just limit the, you know, the fourth line. And hopefully as the players get healthy, it pushes people like uh, Wheeler and VC down the lineup, especially if Heel comes back. Cause you know, they're healers. Heel's either playing on wing, first line wing or he's playing uh, th- on the third line. You know what I mean? Cause they're not breaking up their best line, the second line. So uh, that should help solve a lot of those problems. But until then, uh, yeah, I think you ease Kako back into it. And then, but the goal should be eventually to get Wheeler off that top line and back to the bottom six. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because, you know, you have to kind of look at, you know, who the Rangers will target, whether that's a center, whether that's a winger, whether that's both, uh, you know, for me, Andy, like this is how I envision the team looking. I I have a feeling and a hunch, and I I don't want to even say his name, but I just feel like there's still an energy that's going to draw Patrick Kane here, and I'm against it. You know how I feel about it. Yeah, 
but I have a feeling that he just he's a right winger. He fits the mold. He loved being here. Uh, it's not even that he's even bad. It's he's playing well enough where right now that you have to consider him. But uh, he he will move his no trade clause for the New York Rangers. You know that's coming. So I, I want you to hear a l- my future projected lineup for this team uh, and, and your thoughts. Uh, Kreider, Zabenajad, Kane, Panarin, Vinny, Lafreniere, Cooley, Duclair, bringing him in, and Kako, VC, Goudreau, Wheeler. What are your thoughts? I mean, on paper, like, obviously, although, you know, Patrick Kane's actually apparently is the not obviously he's he's been pretty good for Detroit and his numbers actually look not so bad by Patrick Kane standards, his underlying numbers. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think having a speedy winger like um, Duclair could be just what the doctor ordered. I just I think there is that part of me that says, is this team, what ails this team? Is it, is it uh, like overwhelming firepower or is it just more people throughout their lineup who can make things happen more just solid depth? And I honestly, I kind of err on the solid depth side. So I think that's a great lineup on paper. Uh, There, you know, the, obviously the question comes, especially if it's like, well, you're going to get Kane, but he is still technically under contract with, you know, Detroit. So you have to get retention to afford him. So now you're paying Detroit to eat 50%. Um, so then you have to pay an extra asset to get that. Are you willing to move on from Othman? Are you willing to move on from Gabe Perot, who just, you know, just <laughs> won a gold medal? Uh, can, is it, will it be enough to, you know, will you'll have to maybe part with Sakura and Brett Berard and some of these people, you know what I mean? Are you willing to give up a Braden Schneider, you know? So I think that's the, the well, concern there as opposed to, you know, some other players who, I guess the good thing about the whole Kane thing is that since he, it was only a one year contract, he would most likely, ret- he could return to Detroit. Um, you know, I think Detroit still thinks they're in it, too. That's the other thing. Are they? I don't know. I know they're playing. I think they were. Were they winning last time I checked? Uh, the Red Wings? Let's say. Let's check. Uh, yep, they're winning two to one. It Granted, it is the Ducks, so they could still A, lose this game. You know, and obviously to get into the playoff right now, they're on the outside looking in. They're slowly sliding down the standings, although there's literally, what, one, two, three, four teams tied with 42 points, albeit the Caps have two games on the hand. And they won again today. So, I mean, I don't think Detroit's making the playoffs at this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it'll it'll be interesting to see. Maybe he says no. I this is I I'm just gonna see how it goes and do it for next year. But you have to admit, you know, the older you get, the you don't get too many kicks to the can. So maybe Patrick Kane will want to run it back. And now that Chris Drury has proof of concept and uh, you know, in Patrick Kane. That that he's not exactly washed after the sur- uh, the surgery, so that should be good. You know what are what are Patrick Kane's uh, stats? He's played 15 games this year and he's got 14 points. Yeah, and they're bunched. not bad. The, the points are bunched though. There, he's you know he's made you know big impacts in in like a few of them. I was looking at him before. I mean, listen, yeah. I, it just 
I'm not saying he's the he's the answer, but I am yeah. saying that like it, it's like I have a feeling that they're going to go down this road again. It, I I don't know I, again, and I'm not for it at all, but it, I feel like it is because I just don't feel like there is enough rumors and players out there right now. Like, cause so many teams are, I guess, are, are still in it. I just feel like there's no, like, right now, who's a player that, like, you know is going to get traded, and it's just a matter of time. Um, like well, it's really kind of hard to think of it because it the is. I think teams, I do think like do, don't want to get rid of the, their key pieces. Well, Tara, Tarasenko, I think, is is clearly gone, and I okay. would imagine Duclair. It's just. That's you're crazy if you're the Sharks not to move him. Yeah, because he's going to want out anyway. How many? How many? How many? How many years left does he have on his contract? Or I think he only they, signed a one-year deal. Was it just to show yeah. me a one-year I'm, show? I'm, me? I'm looking it up right now. Thank you. You're you're faster. Anthony Duclair. Right yeah, one year, three million dollars. Yeah, you move him. You need to get something for him, obviously. So I mean, that was the well, pl- clearly the plan. All right, you so, have Alexander Barbanov making Barabano. two point five. Mm-hmm. Luke Cunin making two point seven five million, Anthony Duclair making three million, Mike Hoffman making four point five, Kevin LeBanc making uh four point seven two five million. They have a lot of players that are on. I mean, Philip Zadina obviously is restricted, so he'll he'll probably stay, but um. Yeah, they have they have quite a few players that um Ryan Carpenter is a UFA after this uh this season. Um yeah, Michael Granlin only 2 years. I mean they they literally I mean besides Hurdle, they have nobody signed past 2627. Yeah. It's Hurdle. Dude, this I mean they they literally could have a no roster like next season. It's wild, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Rangers do. And then, and then like I was looking at players like, hold on, let me pull this up real quick, Andy. Because you and I were talking about the all-star game earlier today. And there was a player that came across the table, uh, or my feed, I should say, um, and Boone Jenner. Like, I want to know, like, what a player like him is even going to be doing. Is he even playing? I don't even see him on the roster for the Columbus Blue Jackets on. Well, is he hurt? On Cat Friendly. Is he hurt? Well, I don't know how he's making the All-Star game. They made it seem like. I don't know. Uh, I I haven't been following them very close. I don't know what the Blue Jackets. Uh, It says he's out six weeks with a broken jaw and that was in early December. So he should be back and healthy in time for the all-star game. Okay. So I think that's what's happening here. Um, according to I mean, is that a player you'd be interested in? Cause there's no chance. He's their captain. There's no chance they're moving on from him. Oh, he 3.75 million for the next few seasons. Not yeah. Bad contract for him. No. And he's listen, he, is he a superstar? No, but he's a good player. He's tough. I mean, he kicked the Rangers ass that first game. We played them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever. So, yep. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. You know, I, I go back and forth on what daily on what I think the Rangers need, uh, you know, more that just a bona fide first line 
right winger. But then there's times where I'm like, just spend, I'd rather that little money you have spent on space you have spent on depth. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just, I don't know. And I might feel differently. Who knows? Maybe we get Kako and Hino back and th- we assess where they're at. And we just, it by that time, it, it feels like we were totally off the mark and that what we thought they needed this, they need this. Who knows? Maybe Fox's lingering issue is worse than we know. And they need to sit him for a significant time. So they need someone to, to shore up the minutes. So they need some more defensive depth, you know? So, um, but yeah, you know, that the Rangers clearly are having a great season, so they're going to go for it. I think there already was a report literally that the Winnipeg Jets are literally going to sell and everything or from their farm system that isn't staple to the floor and attempts to go for it because they should. They're one the probably yeah. the best team in the National Hockey League right now. They should go for it. And Connor Hellebuck is amazing and they're playing. I think they're winning again or I think they won already. So, yeah, they're crushing the uh, Arizona Coyotes as we I speak. mean, you know, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they should go for it. Thank God the Rangers uh, played them at home before they turned started turning it on because they probably would have lost. I agree. And, you know, it's funny with that team because you felt like that they were kind of ripping things apart and it only made them better getting rid of players like Wheeler and, um, you know, even after the, uh, oh, my God, now I can't think of his name, the Finnish kid. shot yeah Patrick line like that was like the beginning of like them transforming who they actually are and you know they had some really good teams and really good runs and you kind of felt like it was all falling apart and you and I kind of felt bad I'm like man you have hella buck you have you know you know you have the pieces there why can't they put it together and I feel like this year it's just I mean man oh man not only do they play yeah they won six two against coyotes it's just like they they don't lose. They don't give up goals. They're they're just a good team, man. I mean, they only gave up 17 shots against the Coyotes. Excuse me, on the road. I mean, they outshot them 2-1. to one, Over 2-1. to one. Just incredible. It's just they're, both sides of the puck are good. And Hellebuck, obviously, is, you know, unless an injury happens or something crazy, he's, you know, a shoe-in for the Vesna. So... We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with code THPN. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for a gambling problem by calling 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The NHL and NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Uh, You got anything else before we, you know, move into the World Juniors? Uh, No, not really. Just that uh, 
the Rangers have a real test in the Vancouver Canucks who are probably yeah. looking for revenge. And you know, JT Miller is going to be an absolute motherfucker to play against tomorrow. And if it, they, you know, they just beat a, albeit uh, Jack Hughesless Devils team yesterday. And the Rangers are probably, you have to hope the Rangers come home a little pissed off about their performance because right. if it's, you know, you started, you could come back, claw your way back against uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens. You there, you're just going to get run over by the Vancouver Canucks. So hopefully they come back. The Rangers come back a little bit pissed off. We saw Jonathan quick looks, looks, he's maybe coming down to earth a little bit, although it wasn't definitely wasn't all his fault, you know, on some of those shots, but, um, and he did make, he basically saved the game in the final few seconds. So I didn't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm dumping on him because it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for him, but Igor is at least looking, um, pseudo dialed as long as it, it doesn't start sliding against him. And I, I actually heard something interesting yesterday. I think it was uh, Steve Valaket on Jeff Merrick's radio show up in Canada for Sportsnet, And he basically said that Igor Shesterkin, uh, his like that basically asking like how, how uh, Merrick asked Valaket to evaluate Igor Shesterkin this season. And he said, you know, Igor is the type of goalie where he's still trying to figure out the mental game in that when uh, he allows Basically, it's like if he allows only like two goals in a game, it's like his save percentage increases basically to, to like best in the league. But if he allows the second he allows more than three, it it like drops. It's almost like mentally he starts to lose the plot and feel like it's all crum- crumbling around him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that's that's the hardest part. Honestly, that is the hardest part of being a goaltender, because then you're second guessing every decision you make and you're not just playing. So, I mean, say what you will about Henrik Lundqvist, but he would give up bad goals from time to time because literally every goalie who has ever existed gives up bad goals. But he would dig in and he would say, fuck it, I'm playing the same way. And then sometimes even if he gave up a bad goal, they would win. You know what I mean? Just because he's still bared down and Igor still needs to figure that out. So, uh, yeah, he needs to just trust his process because. I think Eagle, his season's been Jekyll and Hyde. It's like he'll have a good game and then a bad game and a good game and a bad game, which the good news is there are good games mixed in there, which means it's attainable. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah so the, but the Rangers are going to have to be ready. They're going to have to help him out. And uh, Igor is going to have to be ready because it's a real test. Yeah. So on to the World Juniors, USA takes gold, uh, a pretty exciting game against Sweden. And, you know, obviously they didn't get a, you know, USA-Canada matchup. But I think, you know, for the most part, this tournament was, you know, pretty balanced. Uh, you know, I, I thought the teams that maybe have been at the bottom of the standings were, you know, decently competitive, the, you know, as opposed to some other years. But, you know, for the most part, I think for Team USA, you know, the balance there and watching some of these kids, you just know that, you know, some of them, you know, they, they might not be ripping up the NHL, their rookie season, but I think you're going to get quite a few kids from this team to, you know, be impact players at the next level. Um, and, you know, and mainly I really want to get your thoughts on Perot because I feel like at the beginning of the tournament, there was a vibe that like maybe he wasn't one of their key players, but towards the end of the tournament, I just felt like he was, you know, a part of everything that they did in a positive way. So what were your thoughts on the whole tournament and especially Perot? Yeah, I mean, just to recap, Team USA was clearly the favorites going into that uh, 
into the tournament and in the outside, you know, they, they went undefeated uh, in the tournament. As far as Perot's role, I think early on, his entire line of the BC line, they basically didn't really do much, you know, not much was going on for them in the, the round robin. But as the tournament went on and as the game started to matter more, they got better and better. And eventually you could argue maybe they were their best line when something needed to happen. A tie-breaking goal, getting the first goal. And that especially is where just what those three individually bring to that line and bring to that team really shine, especially with Perot just being so smart. I mean, that first goal in the, um, the opening goal in the gold medal game just coming around the net, getting lost that ability to smart enough to kind of just get lost in coverage and then just buzz the tower at exactly the right time for a, a, off of a slap pass for like a perfect just deflection into the net. I mean, it's just big brain stuff and that's what he brings and that's his ability. And, you know, he's going to, he still will probably have, you know, the same reason he was not selected in the top 15 in the draft is going to plague him. I mean, the, the skating and the pace are still going to leave a lot of questions, but the thing he has going for him is that he's just, he knows where to be. He's smart. Like Derek Stepan, who literally was slow as molasses but always was in the right spot to make the right play because he was smart. I think the difference, though, is that Perot is a way better skater than Stepan was. Uh, and Perot is probably a way better passer than Derek Stepan ever was as well. But Stepan was just a good enough passer with and just a good, barely a subpar good enough skater. But just his his hockey IQ was so high that he was able to be an effective player for a long time. And Perot has can be a, a rich man's Derek Stepan. If you know, if anything, his pet his uh his high Q is so high. It's it's tough because I look at you know, when I think of Panarin like or when, when I think of like comparisons for Perot, it's kind of hard to come up with one, at least with a modern equivalent, just because what he does well and how he plays the game are uh yeah, it's kind of unique. You know, I mean, he's a pass first player. He's undersized, but he's he takes very interesting routes, I would say, um, to the net. Like you'll see him suddenly kind of he'll kind of like suddenly peer off towards the wall and, and loop. And just to just because he knows his timing is wrong and then he'll kind of swoop back in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I honestly have a hard time like finding a player. I mean, the one that gets thrown out a lot is Jake Gensel because Gensel is a guy who probably doesn't have any plus skills. But that being said, he's just, he's, he's a strong passer, but his hockey IQ is so he just, he's Mr. Right on time. Right. And I think Perot has that in spades. I think Perot is a, probably a, a better, not as good of a skater as Gensel is, but that being said, Perot is probably a better, pure, pure passer in terms of his vision. So not a perfect comparison by any means, but if the Rangers get, even if the Rangers get a poor man's uh, Jake Gensel out of that pick, they're in, they're in absolute business. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean that, that, yeah, if they got anything remotely close to Gensel, that's, that's a score, obviously. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the Rangers core, obviously, uh, Barreau, uh, 
you know, Cooley obviously, you know, stepping up and being an impact player for the New York Rangers. Offman, you know, got, you know, a little, uh, a cup of tea up here. You know, out of all these players, I think, Andy, obviously you see Cooley, but who do you think really has the, the chance to be not maybe not the next coming, but like the next like face of the New York Rangers? Because I feel like after Kako mm, and Lafreniere there and, and even Miller, I mean, Miller has been good, but he, he cooled off a little bit um, uh, offensive wise. Obviously, he's got a, a tremendous talent. Defensive wise, I think he still has a few years of of growing pains there, just to get used to gap control and coverage and everything like that. I mean, obviously the game has never been quicker. So for a player that you know had had to make the adjustment late to become a defenseman, um, you know it's going to take time. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on you know all these players that the Rangers have, and obviously those three really. You know, what are your thoughts on their game? translating to the NHL like who who do you you know want to see the most and who do you think will have the most success of the the rookies currently in the Rangers farm system yeah like Perot, Othman well, uh, yeah I mean know, Cooley I think, obviously is, is yeah here Cooley I think he's five. arrived and he's already a very pr- pretty good NHL bottom sixer so um yeah I you know I think it's it's going to take a lot of different things for each of them on if I'm being honest I think Othman I think Othman's biggest hurdle is that to play the game that he wants to play is everything is going to have to be a little bit faster. I thought he showed some good speed bursts in his first game. And he's another guy who, although he's not the best skater and maybe he has some stride issues, he does have some good straight ahead speed as long as he recognizes early, which he tends to do. But I don't know if he necessarily his his agility and his ability to quickly change directions uh, is probably a little lacking, but obviously he's got a plus shot. He's physical. He gets, he plays in the areas you want players to play. He doesn't shy away from that. And he has that, you know, he kind of has that intangible, I'm going to fucking make things happen. X factors going for him. Um, You know, uh, and then meanwhile, Perot's biggest hurdle is that, he's going to need size and strength and he's going to continue, need to continue to work on his skating mechanics. And a lot of that'll come with getting stronger, but he's slight, you know what I mean? And he's not going to have the time and space and you can, you can be as shifty as you want, but it's difficult. And even there was even some smaller players in the NHL. They have inconsistent seasons due to that. I mean, some, it doesn't bother them guys like Panarin who, a are just they're such good skaters they also their hockey iq is so high and b they're actually if you look at panarin even though he's small he's wiry and he's kind of like low-key like you know ripped you know what i mean he's Mm -hmm. he's strong he's got a lot of tensile muscle but perot is not that right now perot probably has a body like a bag of milk but he's working on it you know he's in probably in the weight room so that's going to be his you know and then obviously i think adam sakura for the most part as long as if everything stays the same, I think he's a surefire fourth liner in the NHL. I think he skates fast enough. I think he's his build looks like he'll be thick enough. You know, I don't really, I don't necessarily question his hockey IQ. I think the question is, is it, is there enough there for him to contribute anything more than a 13th forward? I think there is, but that it's not a surefire thing by any way. Meanwhile, I think Berard for all of his things, you know, he's slight. I mean, there are, there are players that they have all the heart and compete in the world, but 
you know, some are Brett Berard and might make it if he does. And then some are Tyroning and it just, it's not enough. They're too small and they don't have enough to kind of overcome maybe a lack of overall hockey IQ and, and usable skills at the NHL level. So, uh, yeah, they all have different things they have to work on. As far as who do I think will be the guy for the Rangers, if any of them, uh, you know, I think Othman's really the only one who has that sort of personality. If the Rangers future captain isn't Alexi Lafreniere, it would probably be Brennan Othman, maybe, if it's not going to be Keandre or Fox. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And, uh, if, you know, for me, I think, I think New York can really back Othman if he continues to play with like an edge and that energy and, you know, can border the line of, you know, I hate the word scumbag, but that's, you know, kind of what it is. It's like almost like a scumbag mentality out there where you can be an agitator. You show a lot of emotion. You can put the puck in the net. You can make plays. You're working hard. And I think that's like, you know, he can kind of look at Cooley and say, you know, what, what, what makes people love Cooley's game? It's, he works hard. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. You know, he can be physical, you know, he does all the, like the little things that I, I think, you know, the city and New York Ranger fans appreciate. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Othman, you know, not this year. I don't think he's going to be ready and certainly not for the playoffs. If that's the one thing that scares me is that the game gets elevated. He gets chippier. It just, everything about the playoffs is it's just not the regular season. So, you know, you, you confuse regular season success and then all of a sudden you get to the playoffs and it's a completely different game. And, you know, uh, professionals that have been in the league for five, 10 years, uh, you know, you look at Panarin, you know, has trouble figuring it out. And, I, and, and it's not just him and it's not just players that are on the Rangers. There are teams that do have trouble figuring it out in the playoffs. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of growth and experience to get through it. So, you know, hopefully uh, the New York Rangers can add a few of those experienced players and not depend on some of these guys like Othman to, you know, join the lineup and be able to contribute, especially uh, in the playoffs. Uh, you got anything else? I feel like, you know, this was a good one. It was much better than last podcast, last podcast. Holy crap, Andy. I'm like embarrassed that we even did it. So, yeah. Um, uh, and folks, for the record, James, not referring to the last podcast where it was just me. He's referring no, to no, 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 we, no, we no, were no, together because I'd yes. be like, that's pretty, pretty mean thing to say, but no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but no, you're right. I mean, again, and we, I think we even said it on that podcast, just coming back from the holiday break and uh, there was going to be some rust. The Rangers clearly showed some of that rust in the fact they let that game against Carolina just get away from them. Similar story. Uh, you hope those sorts of efforts don't start snowballing on them a bit. But I think the Rangers have been the one thing they've been good about this year is they've been able to kind of stem the bleeding when it does start. And that like a, their record in coming off of losses is, is usually pretty good because obviously they lose to, um, uh, you know, they lose to Carolina. They followed it up uh, directly with uh, a win over Chicago and then they lose in a shootout, which is, again, a skills competition. If, uh, you know, if Montembeau doesn't make that save on um, Zabanajad. Although I guess they technically still would have won, right? Because even if they scored there and then, um, or no, they or, or who knows what happened, but still. Well, Rangers had the last shot, I think. That's true. And again, you know, I, I, I felt bad. I knew they were going to put Lafreniere in there and I'm sure he wanted the, the pressure, but I was like, 
when that usually happens, I'm like, I even called it. I'm like, he's going to take like a shot from far out, even though anything that's been shot has been Montembeau has been basically able to see anything he could see. He was able to stop because he was dialed in that way. So, you know, I, I know he does. Maybe Lafreniere doesn't have too many moves other than shot. And then that uh, backhand he likes to use, but you know, um, uh, yeah, what I'm getting off track. doesn't matter, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's the Rangers have been pretty good about getting their foot in front of them. They, and clearly right now they're fighting it. So I don't expect perfection from them, but I guess the name of the game is continue to just keep getting points. I mean, that's all you can really do, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to win every game, but you have to make essentially all that work you did early in the season mean something. So that doesn't necessarily mean winning. It just means getting points when you can get them. You know, everyone's getting on the Islanders for their loser points and yeah, that's fine. But the Islanders might make the playoffs because of these loser points. You they're know, still points. Yeah, they're points. So, you know, who gives a shit how you got them? They're not going to ask how the Islanders got. Them. And that's the thing. I love dunking on the Islanders. I would love to throw it in their face that, uh, you know, oh, they, the only reason they made the playoffs because the loser point. It's like, well, yeah, but it, I would throw it in their face way more if they missed the playoffs. You know what I mean? So. That's the thing. Just get points, and who cares? Because they don't ask, you know, uh, how you got in. They just care if you got in. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on X at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.